Hello and welcome to the Ask the Expert podcast series at the Royal Geographical Society with Institute of British Geographers. I'm Laura and I write resources for the education department here. This recording is part of our growing series of interviews, questions and answers from leading geographical experts and practitioners. Professor Peter Craftle and Dr Sophie Hadfield-Hill are based at the School of Geography, Earth and Environmental Science at the University of Birmingham. I spoke to them about children and young people's experience of place and sustainable urban communities. Your research is based around exploring the concept of children's geographies. Could you tell me more about what this term means to geographers? Yes, so geographers have been interested in childhood and in in, in children um, for several decades, Um, although initially that engagement was, was quite patchy. So there was work done by urban geographers like Bill Bunge in in New York City and in in Chicago, which uh, he termed geographical expeditions. So he worked with children and young people and asked them to map their local communities, and especially to map areas where they felt excluded or in danger. Um, At the same time, in geography and environmental psychology, there was a rise of, of work which looked at children's understandings of space. So how well they could understand their local environments, how well they could interpret maps, and how, how well they could represent those spaces in pictorial or in, in map form. And actually what that work discovered was that even children as young as four or five are able to represent the world from a top-down view, rather than simply drawing pictures. But it was then during the 1990s when we had a, a turn to difference in geography that children's geographies really kind of kicked off as a sub-discipline. And that was because, as well as recognising that geographers needed to do more to understand the issues faced by marginalised groups like women and and ethnic minorities, we also needed to consider children as a a marginalised group uh, on the basis of their age and on the basis of of other aspects of their identities, especially their, their lack of rights in most situations. And so since then, children's geographers have emphasised two things. Firstly, how adult rules and regulations um, and how adults' ways of simply talking about and dealing with children mean that they're very often marginalised in certain spaces. And in particular, they're marginalised in public spaces where they're seen as either at risk or posing a risk. Um, And on the other hand, children's geographers have really sought to emphasise children's voices and their experiences. So how do they experience spaces? How do they move around them? Uh, And one key issue that geographers look at is their mobilities, their movements around spaces, uh, to understand how they experience some of these rules and regulations that adults impose on them. Can you tell me why sometimes young people's experience of place might be overlooked or neglected in policy and beyond? Yeah, this comes in part as a result of children's position within society. Um, So children are constructed by adults as being uh, vulnerable, Uh, as being less knowledgeable um, and in most societies children have fewer rights in a legal sense than adults. Um, In particular they don't have the right to vote uh, in societies like the UK until they they reach the age of 18. Um, And therefore in part for reasons associated with elections and the political process children are seen to be less important than, than are adults. Um, but also children are viewed as, as not having, I guess, the life experience that adults do and therefore lacking in knowledge about, about, about places. Um, and it's for those reasons that children have generally been neglected in, in policies, um, although especially since the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child in the late 1970s and then with the advent of, of more child-friendly policies like the Child-Friendly Cities Initiative, 
Um, we, we see children increasingly being included in policy making, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're always included in decision making about their lives. So there's, there's also this, this tension between policies for children and young people which may have improved, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their voices are always included or their views are always included in, in policy making. So there's, there's still a lot more to do, we would argue. And as part of this broader research interest, you've investigated the experience and needs of young people living in rapidly expanded communities, particularly in Milton Keynes and South Midlands area. Can you tell me why these areas were chosen for your research? So we chose these areas initially from a national perspective. Um, so our research looked at children and young people's experiences of living in sustainable urban communities. And these were communities defined by the new Labour government uh, between 2003 and 2010 specifically, um, and which were designed as uh, new build, large scale housing projects, mainly to, to fulfil the need for, for, for housing in the UK, but also to try and build communities in a more sustainable way, socially and environmentally. Um, now, the Labour government's agenda was located in the southeast of England because that's where we had and arguably still have the greatest need for housing. Um, and within that, it was concentrated in four so-called growth areas where the, the, the major uh, need for housing was identified. And one of those four growth areas was the Milton Keynes and South Midlands growth area. Um, and in that area at the time, um, there were plans to build around, around uh, 500,000 new homes. So we're talking about large-scale housing development designed to fulfil the needs of this, this, this policy at the time. So you mentioned there are terms sustainable urban mm -hmm. community. How have you found that young people related to this? So when we did our research, we didn't necessarily use the term sustainable urban community. Um, and in fact, we didn't necessarily use that term with the key professionals we talked with or with the, the family members or the adults either. Um, rather, what we did was to identify four key settlements in which we worked, so four examples of these sustainable urban communities. And then we focused on four themes. Uh, the first was mobility, um, and that's one of the key things that children's geographers look at, children's movements around their, their local neighbourhoods. Uh, the second was their citizenship and their participation. Uh, the third was their um, understandings of sustainability more broadly. Um, and uh, the fourth was their kind of experience of these places in terms of outdoor play and the other activities that they, they were doing in those places. So rather than focus on the term sustainable urban community, we, we put those four things together through a series of interviews, through observations, through some work we did using GPS technologies. Um, and in the sustainable bits, especially, we looked at their experience their experiences of some of the sustainable technologies which were in these communities. So we looked at, um, there was a wind turbine, uh, there are sustainable urban drainage systems, um, there are kind of uh, various technologies for uh, energy production and so on, solar panels. Um, so we looked at their perceptions of those technologies rather than using this, this wider term sustainable urban community. But all of that gave us the data to, to try and understand that term. Um, so could you tell me a little bit more then, you mentioned some of the methods you use, could you tell me a little bit more about the methods you use to explore these ideas? Yeah, sure. So we uh, did a series of interviews with every young person. Uh, we spoke with 175 young people across the four communities. Um, 
and some of those were traditional interviews, one-to-one or group interviews with the children, and the children were aged between 10 and 16. Um, some of the interviews, though, were guided by work that we did with uh, GIS. So we gave some of the young people a GIS uh, GPS device, which they could attach themselves. They had it with them for a week, and basically it tracked their movements around the communities. And we then downloaded their tracks, um, and we put them into Google Earth, and then we showed them to children, and some of the children would actually navigate through Google Earth themselves, often more proficiently than we did. And then we would interview them about their week, we would interview them about their mobilities, we would interview them about their experiences. Um, so it was trying to put together those methods to get a deeper understanding of their, their movements. And we also used observations, so um, the, the researchers working on the project spent time in the communities, talking informally with children and adults and community leaders, observing children's play and movements and, and so on. So how do you engage with the role of play in your research in terms of how young people experience place? Okay, so our work in new urban communities, whether that's again in Northampton or um, in India, um, it's never explicitly been about play per se. Um, we've not set out to understand and explore young people's play in these new urban developments. However, in all of our project, um, play in its various guises has been a central thread because we're talking about and we're understanding young people's everyday lives. And one of our main approaches in working with young people is, as I said, to ask them about their everyday life. So one would assume that play is integral to that. And we've written a couple of papers um, which encompass young people and play. One in relation to what it's like to grow up and live on a building site, uh, where we found that children were often using these leftover spaces of construction sites and they talk about mud hills um, and these are important kind of constituents of their playful activities. And then secondly, um, we've um, together with others written a paper on walking, um, it's called Walking Just Walking and this reflects um, young people's mobilities in new urban spaces and here we unpack the kind of different characteristics of young people's walking practices and um, many of those characteristics intersect with what might be thought of as playful. So you've also mentioned um, these kind of key terms participation and also belonging. Um, how have you worked with those, these ideas in your research into place? Um, so we, as part of the, the project on sustainable urban communities um, and part of our emphasis on citizenship, we were interested in um, children's participation in decision-making processes that affected them. Um, but we were also interested more broadly in whether and how children were being involved in planning processes for these communities as they were being built and also for new communities. Um, so our emphasis on participation is actually twofold. On the one hand, it's about including children and young people in the production of the research itself. So another method that we used was at the end of the project to organise some workshops. And those workshops were co-organised with groups of young people who took part in the project. And those workshops included uh, policy makers, key practitioners, teachers, police officers, a whole range of, of, of key practitioners and young people. And so they put young people and decision makers together into the same room. And, and that, I guess, is the second component, is fostering those kinds of conversation and being a facilitator for those kinds of participation. But as I say, it's always a twofold process, one of including them in research in a more active, participatory way, 
and the other of facilitating those kinds of conversations that sometimes, and even with the best will in the world, don't, don't happen. Have you found that um, young people and children envisage the future of urban spaces in a particular way? If so, how are these futures articulated? So we found in all the research that we've done, um, and whether that might be in the projects that Peter was talking about in um, Northamptonshire or in my recent work in India, that perhaps there are two key visions which young people articulate about what they want their future um, urban spaces to look like. And firstly, we find that there's this real sense of stewardship in terms of um, the stewardship that young people have for the natural environment and maintaining a balance between what they say in terms of the trees and the concrete, um, recognising that green spaces and parks um, and also leftover spaces uh, are just important as the well-designed concrete um, public spaces. So I'd say that would be one thing. And then secondly, um, when asking young people about their future communities, overwhelmingly young people design for all and if they're thinking about all rather than just for young people themselves they're really in tune with the needs of others so from toddlers to the elderly young people want their communities to be safe they want them to be inclusive um, and inclusive spaces for all. So then how can urban design be adaptive to be inclusive of young people's voices? So New urban spaces, they should be designed to encompass the views and experiences of all people, as, as Peter said. And we know that young people are marginalised in this process, um, but it's through research, such as the research that we're doing um, and the widespread work that's going on, not just in the UK, but in places such as India, um, in this field where we can campaign for the inclusion um, of young people's experiences. Um, and that's how we're seeing changes in, in terms of the participation process. So Sophie, you've mentioned your research project in India, and um, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Yes, so together with um, Dr Christiana Zara, and funded by the Economic and Social Research Council, we've been working on a large-scale um, ethnographic research project with children, young people and their families, and by ethnographic I mean we've spent um, a long time living um, in one of these communities and um, we spent 11 months living in India in a site of urban change um, to really understand what it's like for people to live, work, learn and play in a site of urban transformation. Uh, we finished the project recently um, and we involved 350 participants in the project and the findings of the project are really intended to help make other cities across India, whether they be uh, uh, greenfield developments or perhaps um, changes to existing cities undergoing change to make them more citizen friendly and, and sustainable. And really this is the first in-depth um, ethnographic project into the lived realities of these um, new, new large-scale city building projects in India. Um, and we've set out 10 core recommendations um, for people working in policy and practice that hopefully they can take forward um, when they're designing new urban spaces for not only children, but for families and everybody. Thank you for listening. For access to further resources, publications and curriculum relevant material to support geographical learning and teaching, please go to www.rgs.org forward slash resources.